everyone, and welcome to From Tip to Tail, a podcast dedicated to animal welfare. This podcast is sponsored by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only crowdfunding platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. I'm Bridget. And I'm Sydney. We've spent years working with animal rescues and have seen such amazing innovation, strength, and heart. Having this personal connection with rescuers has made us more informed, grateful, and inspired. We hope by giving you an inside look, you will be too. Today is our 40th episode. I honestly can't believe it's been 40 episodes this year. It's kind of gone by slow and fast at the same time. But for this episode, we wanted to do something special and touch on some of the episodes that really stuck with us all through 2020. So let's go ahead and get started. Hi, Sydney. How are you? Hello. (laughs) I'm good. Nice, bright morning this morning. It's great. Southern California, man. So yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to go over this with you because I feel like it feels like we've talked to so many rescues this year. And honestly, they've been the bright spot for my week, every week. It's been definitely a hard quarantine, but being able to talk to these people, I mean, they're so full of energy and they're just like a force to be reckoned with, all of them. It really is. I kept thinking like throughout the entire process too, we work with rescues every day. I come from the veterinary background. So when we initially started this, I wasn't really sure what to expect. I more so thought I was going to hear some of the same stories or that I was going to hear some of the same experiences, but it's been so crazy. I've learned an incredible amount. It kind of humbles yourself because you think you know something and then you hear somebody else's perspective or their experience and you're totally wiped clean and it's honestly been such an eye-opening experience for me. Totally. I know. I feel like I've learned so much from all these different rescues. I mean, and so many of them are are just so used to like kind of getting knocked down and standing back up again. And even just that aspect of like, it's never going to be perfect, but you just keep going. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to to touch on a few of these episodes with you, but I figure, and we figure, um, <laughs> we haven't really <laughs> talked about who we are and where we come from in a, in a while. So I think I think that's going to be kind of a fun thing to touch on because I know both of oh, us sure. have definitely gained a lot of experience in, in our lives. So I know personally for me, so I came before Cuddly. Um, my background is in arts and editorial. So worked for Quarterly Magazine. Um, definitely love writing, love the arts. But more than anything, I've always like loved to volunteer and give back. And so when I started at Cuddly, was six years ago. Um, <laughs> it was a long time ago at this point. Um, but I started and I, I actually started working with rescues back then. And we, of course, were a much smaller company back then, really getting our footing and really learning what these rescues needed, adapting a lot mm-hmm. as, as the rescues themselves do. And then myself, I mean, I grew more into like a more technical role as product manager at at the company, then managed our e-commerce. And now I'm doing uh, content and social media, which is wonderful because I feel like I've known a lot of these rescues for so many (laughs) years now. It's so wonderful to be able to touch on their stories and these individual moments in their life and be able to highlight them in a really nice way for them to share with with the world. Well, and I think like you're, perfect where you are too, because you've dabbled in every part of the company. So it's, you've learned every, every little nook and cranny. So now you're at a point where you can 
highlight them in, I feel like the most honest light because you've, you've dealt with them and you've had relationships with them and you've been able to sort of see that side of it. Definitely. Well, and then, so you, I know you are like animal welfare hearted through and through. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yeah, me and um, Samantha, who is a director at the company at Well as well, we were highly invested in all things rescue growing up. Pretty much like every person that we've had on this podcast, you you grow into it. It's, you know, it's something that you're exposed to when you're younger, whether it's with a family animal or an animal that you save or a shelter nearby. And then we grew up when we were able to get jobs. We went straight for veterinary clinics doing. Sam, she did technical work, uh, technician work. I more said, more so did receptional and then eventually management work. And then we found Cuddly and it was, I have no words for how wonderful it was. Uh, I saw the position for a fundraising consultant, which, you know, at the company, we're able to work directly with the rescues. We're able to have those relationships and Nothing really prepared me for what those relationships would bring to my life personally. I, I, I knew, you know, helping animals and, and being able to work with the rescues and help them with whatever fundraising things that they needed, that was going to be self-satisfying in, its, in itself. But honestly, the relationships that I've built based on that just business relationship with them or, or sort of that professional relationship, that's been ultimately the best thing ever. I think as of right now, I've worked this year alone with about 250 rescues. And that's uh, honestly, I'm just thinking that's 250 people, perhaps even more because there's more people in each rescue organization. That's 250 people that have brightened my life. That's people that I care about. I care about their mission. Who Those are people that inspire me every day. And that's such a wonderful thing, a wonderful thing for me. Yeah. I mean, and what I love about that too is you're working so closely with these rescues. And I know it's like, it sounds funny to say with that number of organizations, but I mean, when they're in like the most dire straight, like two in the morning, like picking up an animal, <laughs> like driving to the vet, like you're the person they end up texting. And I know like just from experience working in your role, I mean, you're the one like oftentimes they're like crying on the phone too when things just get too hard. And certainly, I mean, these rescuers, deal with a lot. They do. Absolutely. So when we have them on this, on these episodes, I love that they're, they have the chance to actually speak to their passion mm-hmm. and, and we get to highlight them and celebrate them because right. I think it's so hard for them to find the time to celebrate themselves <laughs> sometimes because they're just so selfless and they're working so hard. Oh, and I think a lot of people, I think there's kind of like a broad stroke that a lot of people place on rescuers or rescue organizations. So the fact that people can come on and they can share those individual experiences that honestly break your heart, mend your heart, do so many things to you. I think that's incredible in itself because everyone needs to hear it. Everyone needs to hear that perspective. If you're truly going to understand rescue work and appreciate what they sacrifice every day. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, so that being said, um, I know we want to touch on a few episodes and some of the things that we've really gleaned um, from them. Certainly, we've learned something new every single week. We do love all the rescues we work with. <laughs> but of course, that would be a super long episode if we touched that on all would. of them. <laughs> so yeah, so to get started, I mean, one episode that was a huge standout for me was the uh, Hawaii Marine Animal Response. 
Oh, such a good episode. I mean, first of all, just because we can't travel right now, like just being able to like <laughs> mentally be transported to Hawaii. I mean, that was a lovely thing in itself. Um, but I think personally for me, like I love how interconnected they really highlight how the environment and animals and us, we all fit into the, this world together in a really nice way. And it's all about caring for each other. I really loved that. But more than that, I feel like in speaking to them, they talked about how they really evolved over the past few months because obviously a lot has been locked down. Yep. And so they've been really able to dig into creating a video series that helps highlight the work they do, but then also like informs and educates, inspires. I love that they te- like they dipped their toe there. And it's as soon as it's on video too, it, it just has the potential to reach so many more people. It really does. I love that it was a rescue that we highlighted that that wasn't, not that I'm hating on dogs and cats, but I feel like that's what a lot of people think when they think rescue. So I, I loved that we got a chance to speak to a marine life rescue, one that deals with animals that aren't domesticated, that are wildlife and, and, and still need help. Absolutely. I know, especially I feel like there's one point in the episode where she was talking about the fact that they get called when seabirds like are, yes. are injured. <laughs> and I can't even imagine. Can you like even imagine going out and just trying to wrangle like an injured bird? <laughs> and then you like the whole idea is like you help them recuperate and then set them free again. It's really amazing the lengths they go to to help everything in this earth. I mean, they're mm-hmm. everything from sea health. And beyond, I guess, all the way up to the sky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and like what they're doing for their community too. Like if I saw an injured seabird, I, I honestly don't, because I'm in, I'm in Southern California. I'm in, I don't know if you'd call this like the sub suburb part. I probably wouldn't know how to react if I saw an injured seabird, but there the community immediately knows who to contact. They know that animal needs help. I just, I love sort of like the mindset that they're pushing onto the community to help every kind of animal, no matter what it is. Definitely. Who do you have next? So when I was kind of going through uh, all the episodes we were going through, I honestly, I thought I was going to pick the rescues that I personally work with. I just, I love them. I work with them. But I, I honestly, I found myself leaning towards, you know, rescues, especially rescues like I Pity the Bull with John. I personally don't work with him. That's my my sister's relationship. But he, like that episode, I feel like I learned so much that I, I wouldn't have expected to learn. Uh, you know, he talked a lot about animal behavior, the concept of energy when it comes to like finding matches between animal and humans, something we're kind of all pretty familiar with. And it's kind of common sense. Obviously, you do need to have a good energy when you're going in and adopting an animal. But the way he said it, it honestly opened my eyes to something I would have never thought of before. Because when he was speaking, he I remember he said something. He said, neediness is just another word to give someone when they can't provide that person or that thing with the needs that they, they require. And I immediately thought of Blue, my pointer, who is, as you know, my crazy child, my hyper wild dog. If you were to ask my entire family, they would probably say that he's too much, that he's too needy, that he requires too much attention. But that's simply because that he's not in their bracket of energies. He's not the dog for them. I knew what kind of dog I was committing to when I saw Blue. And it just makes me think when you're 
getting an animal, you can't be selfish. You can't think of what that dog will do for you. You have to think, what can I provide this animal? What realistically will that animal need? And, and will our energies match in that? I don't know why, but it, it, it really just like hit home because it, it made me think of something that I should have already known, but I didn't. Absolutely. And I think it touches on something that I know personally, like you are really great at, which is being <laughs> super self-aware and like knowing, knowing who you are and being so self-possessed, you understand you're like, boy, I have a lot of energy. And like, I see you work, girl. I know that you have a ton <laughs> of energy. So it's like the kind of thing where it's like, and I mean, we've said this before, but it's like, they're not a pair of shoes. <laughs> you can't yes, be like, exactly. I want the blue ones. You have to say like, okay, who is this dog as a person? I mean, as a dog person. <laughs> <laughs> it's like match.com. It's, you have to treat it like it's going to be a relationship because it it is. It's going to be like, I, when I committed to Blue, I committed to him for his entire life, which is going to be at least a decade of my life. That's going to be his whole life. So it's, it's not like I can, you know, a year in decide that we just aren't a good fit and throw him out. He's, he's mine for life. And so when I made that commitment, I, I had to make it responsibly because he deserves that. Definitely. And you know what else I loved about that episode? And it's something that it's like, it feels like almost like, controversial a bit <laughs> but John really talked about like okay so we all know like pitbulls are definitely discriminated against and there are definitely like those stigmas that are like people who aren't in the know like they just assume or they've been taught or society's taught them and he kind of touched on the fact of like because I think a lot of people go to the extreme of saying pitbulls are so great and kind and wonderful and they're not what you expect because they are this extreme. And he's like, no, Pipples are a dog. Yeah. And sure, every now and again, like something's going to happen and they're going to get into a little skirmish with, with other dogs because it's not fair to hold them to such a, a crazy standard. A pedestal. Of like, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that too because it's like as a pet parent, I think you think in your head, you're like, oh my gosh, my <laughs> dogs did this thing and they're so terrible and I'm failing them. and and all these things, like, it's like, uh, it's like mom guilt a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I think if you have that in your head of like, listen, none of us are perfect all the time. Like, certainly yeah. not as humans or our, our dogs. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that idea of removing the expectation from, from your pet because humans make mistakes. So it's why, why can't we give that same courtesy to animals? Animals make mistakes. They get stressed. They have they have emotions. They have feelings. It's things happen. Pets deserve second chances and to be forgiven and all that good stuff. Absolutely. And I mean, John is like a rescuer, like just going out in front and being like, hey, let's call a spade a spade. I'm going to go out there and I publicly <laughs> tell people like, this is what's happening. And my rescue dogs aren't perfect, but we work at it every day. I think that's just like a wonderful attitude. And it's a wonderful example to others. Mm -hmm. It really is. It just makes the idea of training your animal or getting an animal or, or not knowing what you're doing as a pet parent. It makes that also unintimidating because we we're all just trying to figure it out. Never at one point will a pet parent, a rescuer, even a, I was thinking about this the other night, even like a doctor, there's no point at which any of us know it all. 
There's absolutely right. no way. We, we are constantly in a, in a constant state of learning, of making mistakes, of failing, of succeeding. So I just, I love that he said that because it, it really does mean a lot if you look at it like that. Definitely. Well, so the next rescue I, I really loved talking to, and, and this might be a little bit biased because I know I have met them in person and it was a really <laughs> wonderful experience working with them and was Hearts Alive Village in Nevada. And I think right off the bat, I mean, what struck me was, because we've talked to so many rescues and a lot of them at this point are like, actually, life isn't that bad right now. Like a lot of our dogs have been rescued and there's so many opportunities to grow and evolve right now. Certainly we've heard over and over that fundraising is is taking a dip, but with this organization specifically, I think that during the time we spoke with them too, I know it was their community was super hard hit. And so for them it wasn't it wasn't the easiest. And really what they took it and really turned around is like they evolved for their community. They built up Thank a you. food pantry and really put the focus on helping pet parents keep their animals because yeah. I mean it can be hard enough like struggling day to day to do normal things but then it has to feel like this horrible letdown when you actually have to make that decision to relinquish your animal for financial reasons. I mean, that's just heartbreaking to think, especially when maybe these animals are the one thing that's probably providing some stress relief and comfort mm-hmm. during this time. So the fact that they're stepping up and and helping people during this time, and my gosh, their food pantry was just booming, like there was so much going on there. And I know they were so many also dipping into like starting a, a veterinary clinic, which is just like, <laughs> those are such giant projects to take on in such a hard time. And I feel like that was so inspiring. It really was. I, I honestly, I really, I loved their idea of helping families and helping families keep their dogs. Cause what eight, I don't even want to put a statistic on it, but I feel like a lot of the times when you see animals in shelters, these are not animals that were cruelly dumped. They weren't animals that were thrown out on the streets. Some of the time, these are animals that forced out of their homes because of financial struggles or because a family member died or, or something as simple as, is just money. They didn't have the money to care for them properly. So I, I really appreciated the idea of them helping families get to the point where they were able to keep their family dog. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine if I had to make that decision to give up my animals. I, my animals are my, my life. I, and you're right. They, they provide emotional support for a lot of people. They're stress relievers, their companionship, their friendship, especially in a world where we have to be isolated in our, you know, in our own homes. They're like that, that sense of love that you get every day that you're not getting I really appreciated that. And it really just opened my eyes to so many people who are struggling with that. I thankfully I never had to, I've never had to struggle with that throughout this whole pandemic. I've been incredibly grateful um, where I've never had to even cross that choice or cross, you know, that mindset of having to give up my animals. But there are so many people that have had to. And I I just I love that they're helping them. That's help is needed there. Definitely. And I mean, I'm I'm really hopeful that in 2021, like when things stabilize a little bit more. I mean, can you even imagine what they can do if they've basically had like weights around their ankles up until now? Right. So 
the idea that the, like 2021, they can just like expand and like really take off and help people in even a, a greater way. I feel like that's going to be super wonderful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, the other episode that, and I, I was thinking of this one a lot because it was one that we did recently and it was the Wings of Freedom episode that we did with Kathy. I picked this one for one reason, actually. And to this day, it's because of that story that she told of Scooter. I can't get it out of my head. And it, I still can't put into words why, why it touched me so much. I was trying to figure it out. But when she was talking about that moment when she took Scooter into the hospital and, you know, there was stranger upon stranger upon stranger in that hospital lobby. Nobody knew each other. No one was even talking to each other. You know, you mind your own business. You're there for your animal. Um, but when she brought Scooter out after getting treatment, all of these people who had, you know, no connection to her, no, con- they shouldn't have had, a, had any connection to Scooter because they had never met him before. He was, he was receiving treatment at the time. The only person he really knew was, was Kathy, maybe a few of the rescuers in his foster home. But all of these people just recognized him. They, you know, got on their hands and knees and they started to show him love. And I just, I don't know why it touched me so much. I, I think it just made me feel so good about humanity. And it, it, it really just, it brightened my life. I learned a lot from that episode. Yes. But that story in itself really, really stuck with me. It was like a very, I can't even explain it, like a tangible physical experience in which a group of strangers came together over an animal. I feel like we talk about it all the time, you know, donors, communities, they get together to help all over the world to help an animal they've never met before. But, and that in itself is adore that that's, that's kindness in its whole. But I think because this was a physical experience and I, I could picture myself being in that lobby and just, you know, having some person point and go, Oh my God, that's scooter. I, I know his story. And then another person, and another person, it was, I, I don't know why it touches me so much, but it gives me chills to this day. And it just makes me feel so good about people it makes me feel like when it's needed people come together i don't know Definitely. i don't know do you know what i'm saying yeah no absolutely and i feel like that episode showed me a few different things so this foster just took it upon herself to start like decorating the like the bandages basically that were wrapping yes. his head <laughs> that was totally unnecessary she didn't have to do that and it was like this little extra care that a foster gives which personally, like, I think that is just the sweetest, most wonderful thing because isn't something that was asked of her. It's something that she took upon herself to make this animal, like, to express his personality and to, like, <laughs> and that really ended up resonating so much with people, so much so that, like, for me, myself, I feel like I didn't know that much about bait dogs. I mean, the entire atmosphere around that was truly heartbreaking. And even like the idea that, I mean, this nurse can now recognize from the air when there's like a bait dog ring in the woods. I mean, that in itself, it feels, it feels so foreign and it feels like not something that should be happening in your own backyard. It's really startling. But then to spin that around and take this horrible act of cruelty and spin it and make this animal just like everyone is coming together to express their care and their love for him. It was incredible. I mean, and I, I'm sure too, now people are understanding a little bit more about what goes into dog fighting and it's reached them when maybe it wouldn't have otherwise. 
So I, I know, I feel like that episode was super startling. And of course, like Kathy is just so passionate about all their animals as well. And that really stuck out too. I mean, that was so evident because she just lives and breathes this rescue life. Mm-hmm. So that was wonderful too. So another episode that I feel like really stuck with me was, it was that of the love pit. Oh, love the love pit. I mean, those ladies are wonderful. They're so great. <laughs> but there are a couple of things that really stuck out to me. And I think the first was, and I think you touched on this a little bit with what you were saying with uh, John from My Pity the Bull. Oh, I know what you're going to say too. And it's exactly what I'm thinking. Go <laughs> Bo- ahead. The body language generally. Yes. And really being in tune with, so like John really touches on like, be self-aware, like know that how you're behaving is like your dog seeing that and it's going to react accordingly. So if you're acting like crazy, your dog might start acting crazy. (laughs) And they really spin that the other way around where they're like, be aware of your dog because there are these subtle things that are, are basically indicators of like how they're feeling, how their emotions are and what they need and want. And I thought that was so interesting because the fact that there are these very specific indicators that will tell you, because I mean, all of us want to speak to our animals and like, and reach them on that level, I think. But so being <laughs> able to tune into that, even on the most basic level is just getting you one step closer. So, I mean, I thought that was wonderful. No, I love it. And I, I love when we were talking to them, they were talking about how they have personalized sort of like foster plans. And I really loved that. I, you know, with somebody who has three rescue dogs of her own, the idea of fostering or bringing another animal into my home can be a little intimidating. I don't know what's going to be the right fit. I don't want to, you know, overstress an animal or things like that with my high energy or the energies that I already have in my house. So I remember them saying that they have developed a program in which they will find the correct foster for your home that's going to succeed. And I absolutely adore that because it it really takes away the stress of of thinking of whether or not you can do it. And you can. There's absolutely, there's, you know, Love Pit is not the only people that are doing it. I'm sure there's plenty of people who are more than willing to help you find that right match so that you can foster and that you can make a difference in that animal's life. Definitely. And I mean, specifically too, they were saying that that's something that they've focused on a little bit more during COVID, really refining their process. And I mean, that's something I think we've seen across the board is like, a lot of, like it it's bizarre right because <laughs> i feel like i feel so busy and also so bored at the same time <laughs> all the time because yes. it's it's just a weird time but a, a lot of these rescues it's like this has given them that breath that moment that like oh we actually can start working on that project that we've been meaning to work on for a long time or we can refine this or that or hey we're being forced to to move everything digital and we've been meaning to for a while, but we haven't had the time. Mm-hmm. I think that was really interesting to me because it's like these small details where, where they were saying, I mean, their goal is so that everyone who interacts with their organization ends up like loving it so much and is so satisfied that they want to stick around and grow with the organization. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's just such a wonderful attitude because I mean, especially in rescue, it can feel a little heated sometimes when you're dealing with with so many hard cases and so many things, but the human element of that is so important to a rescue success. Absolutely. I loved that. Yeah. I mean, also too, I, touching on what you said about fostering, I know they specifically said too, 
that they feel like, I mean, both of them, they said they were fosters, but they also had a bunch of dogs in their house. And they were (laughs) like, I wasn't sure if I could even foster because I have this many dogs in my house. And was it going to take away from the care I was giving my personal pets? But really the idea that it kind of made them put an extra emphasis on who they were as a pet parent and what they were doing. I feel like that's that's such a wonderful thing because it's like we almost think of like care and love, I think sometimes as like a limited resource. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. the more you give, the more there is. Like it's just a bit of an right? endless thing. Yeah. So that was wonderful too. I loved that. To this day, I st- I'm... I'm ready to foster because of that episode. <laughs> they just, they really gave me so much confidence. Sort of the last episode that I kept thinking about over and over and over again was the episode we did with Chariot of Ohio with Jane. We really touched base on the idea of, you know, fighting the felonies. You know, there are going to be those cruelty cases, those torture cases, those horrible cases. And what I feel like a lot of people, not just me, what everyone thinks is, is was, did that animal get, get justice or, you know, what laws are in place to protect animals from this kind of abuse? It is a conversation that has circulated. I'm not even going to say the United States. It's circulated the world for some time now. It's everywhere. So I, I love that she really touched base on not only like her county's laws, you know, there's Goddard's law that protects spelling bracket laws in their area and they're able to charge in the case in the case that an animal does end up losing its life due to torture or cruelty or things like that. Mm. But I love how she kind of walked people through, you know, if you see this kind of abuse, if you are suspicious that an animal is, is being neglected or, or things like that, she walked people through the process of what they can do to, you know, get law enforcement involved and, and, and sort of make a change in that animal's life. Cause I feel like the whole process can be a little, and I don't want to say intimidating, but a lot of people just don't know how to go about it. And, you know, it's, you never want an animal to suffer. So I, I really loved that she sort of laid that, that foundation out because it, it really educates people on how they can make a difference when it comes to those situations. Definitely. And I mean, just the work we do at Cuddly, I feel like we get that question so, so often. So um, often. And of course, I mean, our main goal is just the, the current state of the animal and, and working with them to help them heal. But it was, it was really interesting to hear the struggles in that area for sure. I mean, I loved that episode, of course, because of her wonderful knowledge. It just was so extensive and I learned so much from that. But also, I mean, the fact that they were working so hard. I mean, that cat hoarding case will forever stick oh my with God. me. Stay in your head. I know. And just like I was thinking about it, and like how they are, they've been so incredibly busy with intakes and things like that. And they exclusively take animals that are cruelty cases. You know, they don't, they don't take the usual, you know, shelter stray or things like that, like most rescues do. They are exclusively rescuing cruelty cases. And the fact that they were so busy in that county or in Ohio, it opened my eyes. I was like, oh my God, that's such a, I would never have imagined that to be such a huge issue because you, you hear a lot about a cruelty in, you know, in Texas and Florida and those states and whatnot, I, that just opened my eyes so much that that was a huge problem in Ohio. Absolutely. And the fact that they don't have like an on-site vet currently. So it's, it's a bit like they're working with one hand behind their back. And at the same time, they're doing so much with that one hand. It was, it's so extraordinary. I mean, 
I feel like I'm, I was so inspired by that episode. I'll forever carry their story with me for sure. And I mean, overall too, even just the idea of like, what is a felony? Right. I mean, that was heartbreaking to me that like, it has to get to that place mm-hmm. where you, an animal loses their life um, before it's taken seriously in that way. Mm-hmm. That was really hard to hear. But I'm so grateful for for them, for sure, for all the work they do. Absolutely. So we're so excited stepping into 2021 for all of our new episodes coming up. We're definitely going to delve into a lot more as the world hopefully reopens. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I did want to make a little PSA to anybody listening. So in 2021, we would really love to know what you guys all our audiences want to hear from rescues. What experiences do you want to hear about? What questions do you want us to ask? We would absolutely love to hear your guys' feedback because we want to make sure, you know, that everyone's kind of getting the most out of all of these episodes. These, you know, these people do wonderful work and I'm a firm believer that experiences and sharing experiences really enlightens us and it, it makes us better people. So I would love that. Absolutely. Yeah, so feel free to to DM Cuddly on our social. <laughs> at we love Cuddly for sure. You can also reach us at podcast at cuddly.com. So that's via email. We definitely would love to listen in on what how, what you like. Of course, uh, rate, like, review because that's that's helping us reach more people, and it's all about awareness and education, and um, really working with these amazing rescuers. Yes, absolutely love it. All right, I think it's time for us to sign off. So Bridget, I'll see you next year. I'll see you (laughs) next year.